I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 5 this evening. James chapter 5. Paul, um, James, the author of this uh, letter, written to the church by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, gives instructions to the church and to the sick. He asks the question in verse 14, is any sick among you? The implication is there shouldn't be. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Please notice the word save in verse 15. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. This is the Greek word sozo, S-O-Z-O. It's the all-inclusive word for salvation, one of two words that are used in the New Testament from the Greek into the English. And it means to rescue, to deliver, to make safe, to make sound, and to heal. Well, we know certainly what saving is talking about in this verse because it refers back to the sick in, in the previous verse, verse 14. So we could say it this way, and it should be translated this way in my opinion. And the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. The prayer of faith shall heal the sick. Now, most every Christian that I've ever met believes God can heal. I don't know of any Christian anywhere that would say God doesn't have the power to heal. I don't know any Christian anywhere that would say or claim that God doesn't heal. But the real issue and the rub in between different groups of the body of Christ in today's world is his healing for everybody. Most Christians will take the position that God can heal. He ha- certainly has the power to. And sometimes he does. They may have heard stories or may tell you testimonies of something they've heard. But they just don't believe healing's for everybody. Now let me ask you a question. Since verse 15 says very clearly, in the prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick, how in the world can you pray a prayer of faith for something that you don't know is God's will? So much of the church world has prayed, Lord, heal me if it be thy will. But that phrase, if it be thy will, is a faith destroyer. You can't have faith for something you don't know is the will of God. And therefore, the number one reason why most of the Christians that pray for healing that don't receive, the reason they don't receive is because they're not convinced that it's God's will to heal them. One of the things that interested me about Brother Hagin's story caught my attention one of the first times I ever heard it. He said one of the first things that the Lord ever spoke to him about when he ascertained that Mark eleven twenty three and 24 was his answer, he had become bedfast, almost totally paralyzed, still had a little bit of use of his hands. He could scoot the pages of the Bible limitedly. But other than that, he couldn't walk, he couldn't get out of bed and so forth. And he determined just by the inward witness that Mark eleven twenty three and 24 was his answer. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Verse 24, Jesus goes on to say, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Mark eleven twenty four is the definition of the prayer of faith. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Brother Hagin said he was healed after 16 months on this being bedfast, on this deathbed, so to speak. He was healed from an incurable blood disease and from a deformed heart and from a number of other um, critical, life-threatening situations, circumstances. He said that he was healed on a combination of Mark 11, 23, and 24. 
a combination between the words that he was saying, the speaking his faith concerning his sickness, and praying the prayer of faith and believing that he received his healing. But the Lord was dealing with him early on about what to do and how to do it. And one of the things that the Lord drew to his attention, he was bemoaning the fact that he couldn't get anybody to come and pray for him. And the, the, the one minister that did come to him, he didn't know him. His, it was a, somebody that his family was acquainted with. And instead of praying, he told him to be prepared to die. He said, patted his hand and said, be patient, my boy. In a few more days, it'll all be over. Well, Brother Hagin said that just snuffed the light out. What little bit of light there was, he likened it to a little bit of light coming through a keyhole of a door. One of the things that fascinates me about Brother Hagin's story is that he said he didn't know that, that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He didn't know that was in the Bible. He didn't get healed by believing that Jesus took his infirmities and bore his sickness. Now, I consider that healing 101. But Brother Hagin said, I had no clue. He got healed simply because the Bible says you can have what you say. And so he started confessing for his healing. He didn't confess for his healing because of what Jesus had already done. He confessed his healing because of what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Maybe I need to take a little side journey here and make a couple of comments. We think faith for healing is so difficult. But it's not. It's not a matter of how much you know. It's a matter of acting on what you know the Bible says. That's all he did. And he received a miraculous healing. Nevertheless, back to the story. One of the things that took place after the minister came and told him to prepare to die. Is he said the Lord spoke to him sometime after. After he got himself back in, in uh, position to hear. He said, the Lord spoke to him and asked him a question. He said, did you notice in James 5? He had found that by then. He said, did you notice in James 5 that the prayer of faith is what heals the sick? And Brother Hagin said, no, I didn't, I didn't recognize that. He had already talked to him about Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood, where Jesus said, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. The Lord said, if her faith makes, can make her whole, did make her whole, then your faith can make you whole. But then he saw over in James chapter 5 verse 15 where he said, The prayer of faith shall heal the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. Well, Brother Hagin got his Bible and scooted over to those pages and read it to himself. And he got hung up on verse 14. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing with all in the name of the Lord. He said, Well, that, Lord, that's my problem. I don't have anybody that will pray. I don't have anybody to come anoint me with all. We tried to get this Baptist minister to come. And he's the one that patted my hand and told me to get ready to die. And then the Lord said this to him. He said, it's the prayer of faith that saves the sick, not the elders. It's not the all. And you can pray that prayer for yourself as well as anybody can. Now, here's a guy that's just been saved for a couple of months. With a number of incurable diseases. You would say he was the most critical of anybody that you could imagine, or at least one of the most critical situations that you could imagine it's just a matter of time he'd have spells where the circulation in his his body would go haywire because of the deformed heart he said he'd turn just completely blue or completely black pass out 
There were times where his family thought this was it. He can't come back. And then he'd take a deep breath and he'd be back again for a little while. He was at the point of death for a long time. And the Lord told him that he could pray the prayer of faith for himself as well as anybody could. Well, if he could pray the prayer of faith for himself, what do you think you and I ought to be able to do? We've got a lot more knowledge of the word than he had. Now turn back with me to, to uh, Romans chapter 10. As I said, this verse 15 in James chapter 5 says, And the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. That word saved means to rescue, to deliver, to save, to make safe, to make sound, and to heal. Notice in Romans chapter 10, Paul's talking about this salvation. Verse 9, he said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. This is the word so-so. It's the all-inclusive term. It's the same salvation that James 5.15 is talking about healing for the body. So we would have to say that whereas this principle of believing in the heart and confessing with the mouth, which is faith in action, is the definition of faith, we would say that it has to work for everything that salvation includes. To believe in the heart and confess with the mouth brings deliverance. To believe in the heart and confess with the mouth brings rescue. To believe with the heart and and confess with the mouth makes you safe and makes you sound. And to believe with the heart and confess with the mouth heals your body. Those are the five things that the, the Greek word sozo includes when it comes to salvation. It's what the word means. So Paul is talking about how to receive anything and everything that there is. So he says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness... I'm sorry, I skipped. Let me go back to verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved or healed. Let's turn that into healing since this is healing school. And that's what the word means anyway or includes the meaning. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is that other word, the all-inclusive word for salvation. And it means the same things as the word sozo. One is a little bit more of an action word where the other is a little bit more of a noun. That's the only difference in these words. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto healing. For the scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. In other words, faith works every time. Now we may not be successful in our operation of faith every time, but faith works every time. Don't get me wrong, we can be successful every time, but it's up to us. It's not guaranteed that we will. It's conditional and it's up to us. For whosoever shall believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon them. God's no respecter of persons. How many times have we had the devil tell us about some blessing of God that we see in the Old Testament? Well, that's just for the Jews. Well... The Holy Ghost said, in the day that we live in, there's no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. If you find something that belongs to the Jews, it belongs to you too. Don't let the devil talk you out of what's yours. For, verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's Sozo again. Let's use healed. 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be healed. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. The Holy Ghost knew what he was inspiring Paul to write. And it may not jive with modern-day church theology. But this is what the Holy Ghost impressed Paul to write. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be healed. Well, we know that has to be conditional. He's going to tell you what the conditions are. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now back to what I said a minute ago. Every Christian believes God can heal and every Christian believes God sometimes does. Nobody can deny that. There are medical cases where medical science has proven that a divine power was at work. Things that they can't explain. Every Christian will admit that God can heal and sometimes he has. They just don't believe that, he, that he's, it's his will to heal everybody. But if God's will is not for everyone to be healed, then what does that mean when it comes to us praying for our healing? Well, it means very simply this. It means there would have to be divine revelation for you to find out if you're one of the lucky ones. Here's what that means. That means healing and therefore the faith to be healed and to receive healing would not be dependent on the word of God, but on some direct and divine revelation from God. Now, how does that line up with what Paul is saying here? He's saying, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be healed. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto healing as a part of salvation. But then he says, now he's not talking about healing here in Romans chapter 10. He's talking about being born again. We know that. We understand that. But he uses the all-inclusive term because you can't divide out forgiveness of sins from everything else Jesus paid for by shedding his blood. But let's go back to, to the understanding, the context that Paul is talking about being born again. And notice, he says that it's faith that brings salvation, faith that brings the new birth. But how can you believe if you haven't heard? And how can you hear without a preacher? In other words, he's saying, without the word of God being proclaimed, how can you have faith to receive the new birth? Well, why would that be any different from healing? Without the word being proclaimed, without the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done, how could anybody have faith to receive healing? Well, you couldn't. Which means James 5.15 has to be torn out of the Bible. It couldn't be the prayer of faith that heals the sick. It has to be the revelation from God and God's sovereign work that does it. He goes on to say in verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Notice he didn't say faith comes by divine revelation. He said faith comes from hearing the gospel of Jesus, the good news of what Jesus has done. Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. I'll remind you that Psalm 107 verse 20 says that he sent his word and healed them. Not that he sent divine revelation. Not that he sent the Holy Ghost or gifts of the Spirit. But he sent his word and healed them. So if the word is consistent, if the Holy Ghost knew what he was inspiring these men to write, then it means by necessity and by definition, 
there has to be gospel truth that can be received, believed, and acted on to bring healing. Has to be. Because you can't get faith any other way except from hearing the word of God. Are you following me? It has to be part of the gospel. Paul just said you can't receive faith or can't gain faith to receive salvation, any part of salvation, except that you hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, it says, When he, Jesus was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, I would submit to you that this is the position. This man is in the position of the majority of the modern-day Western world church. I believe you can. I believe your power is sufficient to do the work if you only will. I would submit to you that everybody that, that prays or ever has prayed, Lord, if it be your will concerning physical sickness and disease and healing from sickness and disease, has been in the same position as this man. Would you not agree? Well, then here's the question that I have. Why is this story in the Bible? If not to instruct us, why is it here? If not for us to identify if we have the same thoughts or in the same position concerning our beliefs, then why is it here? got to be a reason or else the holy ghost just wasted space what's the reason for this story to be in the bible what's the reason of all the multitudes of times where jesus ministered to people that we don't have record of john said if everything jesus said and did was written down the world itself couldn't contain the books well then that has to mean that there were a lot more people healed than we have individual record of there are 19 individual cases of healing in the poor gospels 19, doesn't count the multitudes, doesn't count the 10 lepers and so forth, but there are 19 cases of individuals that were healed in the ministry of Jesus as recorded in the four gospels. Why just 19? Why aren't there 100? Well, I can't answer that, but I have to work on an understanding that I have of God and his character and nature. These 19 cases must give us a complete picture. Put together, they must give us a complete picture of the healing ministry of Jesus. Or else the Holy Ghost has done us an unfair disservice. If there are stories that should have been included and weren't that would give us information, additional information or greater information about God's will concerning healing and Jesus' ministry of healing, then the Holy Ghost did us a disservice. He's not operating in our best interest. He's not operating as our comforter. He becomes the deceiver instead of the revealer. He becomes a guide into deception rather than a guide into truth. Now, I know those are hard terms, but it has to be true. So what's this story here for? It's here to instruct us in case the devil leads us into the same place of belief as this man had, this leper was in. And notice what his position is. He said, Lord, if you will... I believe you can make me clean. I believe you have the power to do it. Now, let me ask you this. Was believing that Jesus had the power to heal sufficient for this man to be healed? No, he's still sick. He's believing that Jesus has the power 
He may even believe Jesus is the Messiah. He may even believe Jesus is the Son of God. But that's not sufficient for him to be healed. Jesus has to correct his thinking. See, faith that works is not faith that believes in the power of God. Faith that works is faith that believes in the will of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known, not where the power of God is known. Where the will of God is known. If you don't have faith, if you can't believe that God will use his power on your behalf, there's no basis for faith. And that's where most of the modern day church is. Oh, yes, God is sovereign. God is all powerful. God can heal the sick, but we don't know if he will. Then you have no basis for faith. That person, absent some spectacular manifestation of the Holy Ghost that's independent of them, just based on God's mercy, absent one of those gifts of the Spirit or something like that taking place, they'll never receive. Jesus has to first and foremost correct this man's understanding. The leper said, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. Now notice the man's position. All he needs to know is the willingness of God. He's already determined that God is able, through Jesus, to cure him of the incurable disease of leprosy. All he needs to know is the will of God concerning his situation. And Jesus answers and says, I will. Now, this is the only example, the only case of the thousands of people, maybe tens of thousands of people, maybe more than that, that came to Jesus for healing. This is the only case that we have recorded where anybody questioned the will of God to heal. Only one. Now, I'm not sure if that means this is the only guy that had that thought or if it's just the only one that the Holy Ghost recorded. Either way, The Holy Ghost answer in this case, or Jesus answer in this case, satisfies the Holy Ghost need to instruct us about this condition. He didn't need to give us three examples of it. He didn't need to give us 12. He gave us one example to show that God is always willing to heal. He's always willing to show forth his power on behalf of the sick. Jesus answers the question, the eternal question, if it be thy will, definitively by stretching forth his hand and saying instantly, I will be thou clean. It's the only basis there is for faith. It would do, so, do some people very well in their situations to begin to confess the willingness of God to show himself strong in their behalf. It would do a lot of people good to start confessing, thank you, Father, that you're willing for me to be healed. Because I know tons of people, dozens of people over the years that have come to me and say something to the effect that I believe that God can heal me. And I've had people that that wanted me to pray and I turned it around and said, well, I tell you what, you pray and I'll listen to your prayer and see if I can agree with it. And over and over and over again, they'll start saying, oh, God, I know you can heal. And that does them no good. Everybody knows God can heal, folks. You don't get a star in your crown or a feather in your cap 
by saying, I believe God can heal. Of course God can heal. That's not an issue. Never has been, never will be. The question is, do you believe he will? That's the basis for faith. Are you out there? Let's keep reading. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, See that thou tell no man, but go thy way and show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And Jesus, when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Then the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about Gentiles being added to the church. But the children of the kingdom, the Jews, shall be cast out into the outer darkness and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth because of their rejection of Jesus. The Gentiles shall come in and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob because they received Jesus. But the Jews that reject Jesus will be cast into the outer darkness. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Now I want you to notice back to verse 6. Notice what the man says. He said, Lord, my servant lieth at home grievously tormented by the devil. He does not say, I believe you'll heal him. He just simply relates what the situation is. My servant is at home, demon-possessed or demon-oppressed, demon-afflicted. His palsy is of the devil, and he's tormented by this thing. Jesus answers in verse 7, I will come and heal him. From that point, the man has something to base his faith on. Prior to that, he does not. Notice the man does not come to Jesus and say, I've got a sick servant at home, but I believe if you'll just say the word, then he'll be healed. He's got to get Jesus to express his willingness before he has any foundation for faith, even this great faith that he exhibits by an understanding of authority. It takes the revelation from Jesus of his willingness to provide healing for the servant. But once he does that, the man says, I don't need you to do anything but speak the word. You don't have to come. You don't have to travel to my house. All you have to do is speak the word because I understand how authority works. I understand you have power over sickness and disease. So all it takes is you speaking the word and it'll be done. But it's based on Jesus' expression of willingness to minister healing to his servant. Do you see it? Faith begins where the will of God is known. This man's faith began when he understood Jesus' willingness to heal his servant. Now, his understanding of authority didn't begin then. But without Jesus expressing his willingness to heal, he had no foundation for faith 
to utilize his, his understanding of authority in any way whatsoever. Faith begins where the will of God is known. The devil has done the number one thing that was necessary to rob the church of healing. And that is to disrupt the church's understanding of the willingness of God to heal. Turn with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Well, before you leave, let's read verses 16 and 17 in Matthew 8, just because they're good. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. So who, who's, for whom was the will of God shown concerning healing? Everybody. God wants everybody well. We have two individual situations where Jesus expressed his willingness to heal. First, the leper. And secondly, the centurion servants earlier in the chapter. But the Bible tells us the reason Jesus was so quick to declare his willingness to heal is because it's God's will to heal everybody. Healing is the will of God for all. The devil has robbed the church of that knowledge. But thank God it doesn't have to continue for us. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, the beginning of the fulfillment of what Isaiah said. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now First Timothy chapter 2. Paul is exhorting Timothy to pray for leaders Verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4, who, speaking of God, will have all men to be saved. Guess what this word saved is. Who will have all men to be saved. Sozo. To rescue. To deliver. To make safe, to make sound, and to heal. God wants everybody delivered. God wants everybody rescued. God wants everybody to be safe. God wants everybody to be sound. And God wants everybody healed. That's why he sent Jesus to die for the world. Who will have all men to be saved, sozoed, healed, and to come into the knowledge of the truth. And to come into the knowledge of the truth. And to come into the knowledge of the truth. That's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. Prayer of faith is what heals the sick. So the knowledge of the truth is coming to the realization that it's the will of God for you to be healed. And notice that knowledge of the truth brings healing. The prayer of faith shall heal the sick. And God wants everybody that's sick to be healed. And he wants you to know about it. I don't know what it is, but folks, there's something stirring in me to be even bolder than I've ever been and be even more direct than I've ever been about declaring that God wants everybody well. On one hand, I don't really feel like I'm doing anything different than I've ever done, but on the other hand, I feel like I'm doing a lot different. I'm being a lot more direct. I'm being a lot more out front about it. And I believe it's going to bring results, great results. Jesus said in 
John chapter 8 is verse 31 32 I think he said if you continue in my word then are you my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free the knowledge of the truth comes from the word of God the knowledge of the truth is what sets you free but you're not going to know the truth unless you continue in the word you're not going to be free unless you continue in the word But God will have all men to be healed. God will have all men to be rescued. God will have all men to be delivered. I think we need to be bolder than ever before about saying that God is the deliverer. He's the rescuer. He's the protector. And he's the healer. Brother Hagin told a story. I only heard him tell it once. Publicly. But there was a time in uh, the early 60s or mid-60s, I guess, 65, 66, somewhere around there, where he was one of the day speakers at the Full Gospel Businessmen's Annual Convention. Big, big meeting. Drew tens of thousands of people every year. And Catherine Kuhlman was the foremost healing minister of the day. And she was scheduled to be the night speaker. And something came up. She had some kind of health issue or something came up to where she couldn't participate in the the meetings that she was scheduled to minister at and everybody has come from all over the country to hear her she had a very outstanding ministry the holy ghost would use her in a great way most of it was gifts of the spirit and manifestation of the holy ghost and so everybody came for the show well when they found out that something had come up she wasn't going to be able to speak the leaders of the organization said, well, Brother Hagin's here. We'll just have him do the night services. And so they called him. He was in his hotel room and said, Sister Coleman can't do the service tonight or tomorrow night, keynote speaker address that she was going to do for the next two nights. So you're going to take her place. Well, he thought he was joking. He laughed and didn't take it serious, hung up the phone, and then got to thinking about it and, think, and thought, well, my goodness, what if they're serious? So he called him back and said, uh, hey, that was a great joke you pulled on me before. And they said, Brother Hagin, we're not joking. This is real. So he understood that they were serious. He got off the phone. He said he started praying. Oh, dear Lord. All these people have come to hear Sister Kuhlman. And she's flamboyant. If you ever saw any the videos of her and stuff, she was in these flowing dresses and doing all this theatrical stuff. And Brother Hagin was about as Casper Milktoast as there was, you know. <laughs> the exact opposite of what you'd think of Sister Kuma. And the Holy Ghost would use him and there would be gifts of the Spirit in operation from time to time, but nothing like the ministry that God had given her. So he started praying and started talking to the Lord about it and said, Lord, what in the world am I going to do? And so the Lord told him, he said, you're just going to have to give him what you've got. He said, I didn't call you to be her. I don't expect you to try to be her. Just go out and give her what, give them what you've got. And so Brother Hagin said that he went into that first service and he said, I was standing there in fear and trembling as Paul was talking about to the Corinthians. I was standing with fear and trembling because then it was only at the, the night meeting when the crowd was already there that they made the announcement that Sister Coleman couldn't be here tonight. And 10,000 people groaned in unison. Oh. And so Brother Hagin, they turned it over to him finally. 
And so he stood up and he, he preached from the uh, scripture in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John said, Such as I have, give I thee to the crippled man. And so he explained that Sister Coleman had an outstanding ministry of gifts of the Spirit and so forth. And that's not how God used him. God just simply used him to teach the word, to bring the knowledge of the truth, and so forth. And he said, so I just told people, I'm just going to give you what I've got. I prayed about it. The Lord directed me just to give you what I've got, not try to do anything special, certainly not trying to be her or anybody else, just give you what I've got. He said, during that meeting, just simply teaching the word, teaching the truth about Jesus paying the price for sickness and disease, he said, we had three people walk out of wheelchairs and nobody ever touched them. He said, just during the service, not even at the same time, three different times in the service, somebody would scream and everybody would stop and look around and hear somebody walking out of a wheelchair, pushing it down in front of them toward the front, saying, I've been in my wheelchair for so many years, however long. And while you were teaching the word, the Lord healed me. I don't believe those days are over. I believe we're going to see people walk out of wheelchairs today. In our day. I believe we're going to see blind eyes opened in our day. And I'm inclined, I don't care how he does it, and I'll do whatever the Lord wants me to do. But I'm inclined to believe that it's going to be through the teaching of the word rather than pointing attention, bringing attention, drawing attention to somebody through laying on of hands or some other means. Now, that's just me. I could be wrong on the way that it works because God hadn't told me. And I wouldn't stand here and tell you God said something if he hadn't said it. But I've just got something stirring around on the inside of me. The phrase that I read years and years and years ago when I was in, first in Bible school, 1980. That John Lake would pray that healing in his ministry in South Africa. That healing would flow like a river and salvation would rise as the tide. That phrase stuck with me from the first time that I read it. But boy, here lately, over the last several years, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I firmly believe that something is going to pierce heaven and healing is going to start flowing like a river. Thank God for his word. Brother Hagin told the story of a woman whose mother was wealthy and was going to pay for an operation that she was facing. But before the mother paid for the operation, she wanted Brother Hagin to lay hands on her. So she drove from some distance over to where Brother Hagin's church was. She had heard about somebody being healed in his church. So she brought him over and she was in a real hurry because it took him a long time to get there and it's going to take him a long time to drive back. And every time Brother Hagin would try to ask a question, the mother would answer instead of letting the daughter answer. Brother Hagin said, I knew when they first walked in the door that the daughter didn't believe in healing, wasn't in a position to receive. And so he's trying to ferret that out a little bit. And the mother wouldn't let the daughter, daughter talk. And so he finally just said, now, ma'am, if, if, uh, if you're in that big a hurry, just pack her up and take her home now. I'm not going to pray. But I need to talk to her. Because it's not about what you believe. It's not about what you know. It's not about what you want. It's about what she believes. So he finally got the mother to be quiet. And so he asked the daughter. She, he asked her, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and your sicknesses? 
And that when I lay hands on you, you'll be healed. She said, well, no, I don't. He said, why are you here? He said, well, Mama wanted me to come. And she's going to pay for the operation. And so, you know, you don't tell somebody no when they're going to loan you a bunch of money for something like this. So I just went along with it. Brother Hagin said, well, I, I really felt like that was the case in my heart. So he, he asked her where she went to church, what church she was a part of. And she was a Southern Baptist lady. So he said, now I'm not saying it says it. She knew the Baptist believed in the word. They don't know much about what it says, but what they do know, they believe. So he asked her, he said, now, I'm not saying it says it, but if the Bible said that Jesus took your sicknesses and with his stripes you were healed, would you have faith for healing then? She said, well, certainly. So he said, well, right there on that table next to you is a Bible. Pick that up and turn to a certain opening. She picked it up and looked at the spine of it and saw that it was a Schofield reference Bible. She said, well, this is just like mine at home. So he said, turn to Matthew eight sixteen. So she did. He said, read that out loud. And she did. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast the spirits out with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He said she sat there with her head down, staying real quiet for a long time. He said, you know, in a time like that, a few seconds seems like a minute. He said, finally, she looked up and she had tears glistening in her eyes. And she said, Brother Hagin, I didn't know that was in the Bible. She said, I do believe that Jesus took our infirmities and our sicknesses. And I'll be healed when you lay hands on me. Just pray for me right now. He did. And by the time that they got back to the house, she was completely healed of the things she needed surgery for. Folks, you can't tell me ex- that expressing faith toward God for healing is some tough thing. It's not. It's a simple process that brings results every time. Easiest thing in the world to believe God. That may be a struggle to stay in faith, but it's easy to get there. You get there through the Word. Now, the devil may fight you. It may be a prolonged effort on your part to stay in faith and resist the temptation to doubt. But getting in faith for healing is simple. Getting in faith for anything is simple. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Thank God that he wants everybody to be well. It's the will of God for all men who will have all men to be healed and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants you well. More than you want to be well. God wants you well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is true. According to your word, Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and with his stripes were healed. Therefore, we call sickness gone in Jesus' name. We call our bodies well. We declare that we're healed according to the word of God in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father for doing whatever work is necessary to meet us at the level of our faith. Thank you, Father, that we are healed. And we declare, even as the word says in the Old Testament, that affliction shall not rise again the second time. We're not afraid of sickness and disease. We're not afraid of it coming back on us. We declare that it will go and go once and for all, never to return. 
thank you, Father, that Jesus set us free from all the work of the enemy, that we have authority over every bit of the devil's power, including sickness and disease. And by the work of Jesus, we can receive the blessing of divine health, which we do now in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, since we believe we received our healing, we thank you that we'll have it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, let's lift our hands and thank God for our healing. Oh, Lord, we bless you. We thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you that there's nothing that's too hard for you. No matter what the diagnosis, no matter how long it's been in place, thank you that there's nothing that's too hard for you. We declare that we're healed. We declare that we're well by faith according to the word of God. We're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what we feel. We believe your word is true. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Now, if Jesus told us the truth, if we maintain that position, there's nothing the devil can do to enforce sickness. That position, the maintaining of that position of faith will bring healing every time. For whosoever shall call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved, sozoed, healed. And whosoever calleth on him shall not be ashamed. That's what the word says. I believe the word. Don't you? Amen. Say it with me. The Lord is good. And his mercy to heal endures forever. His mercy to heal is extended toward me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us. We love you. You're dismissed.